Isa makes history. Cash cements his legacy. Mel Tucker makes it rain more than a hurricane. Chris Holtman tries to ruin a party, and Graham Couch says, hold my beer. We're here just to celebrate and, of course, take your questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined by a first-time, long-time, the man you'd rather not have be the substitute teacher in your class, Alex Plum. Alex, how are you? Doing good, Mike. Uh, really, uh, really excited to be here. Uh, obviously, first time uh, co-host in the pod with you guys. So, um, yeah, feeling pretty good tonight. We're very thankful to have you. Uh, for those who didn't listen to last week's episode, we told you that Greg uh, was not committed to the podcast and that we would have uh, someone else on instead. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex is a dear friend of both of ours, a an avid Spartan, and uh, will be a timely guest because we will have the chance to not only talk some officiating, which Alex has a little bit of background in some officiating, but also is a bit of a public health expert. And so we're going to talk some coronavirus. As many as a crack a corona or two. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> Just maybe. Um, <laughs> so, folks, thanks, of course, for listening. If we could ask the usual small favor, please share the uh, podcast with the Spartans in your life. Give us a follow on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Those reviews my mom likes to tell me when I got a new one. So uh, with that, of course, we've got to turn to our presenting sponsor, Fraser's Pub. Uh, as you all know, Fraser's Pub has a wonderful beer of the month special where you get a 23 ounce for the same price as a pint. And this month, it is none other than Founders All Day IPA. And Plum... Uh, I believe you spent some time at Fraser's. You know, I really can't. I don't, frankly, know where to begin. There's so many uh, positives about the place. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's the wood paneling. And it, it, one of the things about the wood paneling, you know, we, we go on about it. Um, I'm fairly certain I saw some of the uh, some of the staff there oiling it up with uh, one of those uh, nice Murphy's uh, wood oil. And I think, you know, that kind of dedication to your surrounds really speaks about uh, the quality of the staff, obviously, the quality of the place and uh, – yeah, I'll, I'll just tell you right now. I liked the uh, last month's special so much, the uh, lighthearted ale that I'll be actually uh, be drinking that tonight. So, real, mm. real tip of the hat to uh, to the fo- good folks at uh, Fraser's Pub. Yeah, introducing quality beers, and um, we do we do like to riff about the wood paneling here, but it is a great place to catch a game. Uh, even though it's in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on Packard Street, you still will get plenty of respect as a Spartan there. So, don't be afraid to go in, show your colors. And uh, speaking of showing colors. Plum. Uh, I want to explain to the folks who maybe are joining us for the first time, the way the show breaks down is we have a handful of segments. The first one we call The Green Wall, where we cover some of the news from the previous week about Michigan State Athletics. Uh, then we turn to Off Grand River, where we take a look at some of the headlines going around around the country that aren't necessarily MSU-centric. And then finally, wrap it up after taking your Twitter questions with a preview of the weeks ahead. So let's get right into that green wall. And uh, basketball, maybe. Yeah, wow. we've been leading a lot with football lately, but uh, what what can we say? We're back. <laughs> back to back to back. It I mean, this feels, this feels like a Michigan State team, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, I, I mean, oh, 
so if for some reason you're living under a rock, Michigan State just beat Ohio State, uh, which we'll get into that game a little bit, but they cemented a share of the Big Ten title their yep. third year in a row, which is the second time in Izzo's tenure that he has won back-to-back-to-back Big Ten championships and is the first coach ever to do that in the Big Ten. So uh, making history. Yeah, and it just feels right. Uh, so we, as, as much as that last game was just thrilling and emotional because it was senior night, we'd be remiss to not at least mention the fact that our boys in green went to Penn State and took them down 79 to 71, and all the more telling after being down 46 to 31 at the half. Uh, the team really started to show some metal. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. You know, 15 points at the half, uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to call myself a Fairweather fan. Uh, you know I can run a little uh, hot and cold, a little overdramatic. Um, <laughs> but that was a hard deficit for me. You know, we yeah. didn't look good. We just didn't look good in the first half. And, nope. you know, you're playing like that. You know you've got one more game in the regular season. You're looking at, I think then we were banking on, at best, a four seed maybe. Um, and it was mm-hmm. looking like with a with that kind of nasty loss staring us down it was really going to be ugly going into uh, going into Ohio state, even though it was at home, even though it was such an emotional night for us. So to see him come back like that, um, what can you say? I don't know. Tillman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so Tillman, we'll, we'll get to Tillman's overall stats over the last. Yes. I love the beer crack. Um, <laughs> the uh, we'll get to Tillman's overall stats over the last uh, say since Iowa in just a bit, but in this particular game, Tillman played 38 minutes. He had 23 points on 10 for 13 shooting and 15 rebounds, including four on the offensive glass and two blocks. And I have to say that 15 number felt low. Like he seemed to snatch every board that there could possibly be. And, and held Lamar Stevens to, I think one of nine shooting. Just, yeah. You locked on Stevens like that. I mean, I think that ended up being obviously being the secret. I, I would love to know what uh, what Izzo said to them at halftime and, and specifically to Xavier because, you know, when Tillman decides to kind of turn it on, and we talked early in the season about this, or you guys did, I guess, um, about how much Tillman will follow Cash's lead when it comes to kind of some of the emotion, some of the fire, some of the passion he brings into the game. But it felt like even when – you know, you maybe weren't quite seeing as much uh, in some of those other players. You saw Tillman step up and actually kind of assume this sort of leadership role that I think really, at the end of the day, is what that whole C- Tillman senior on the back of his jersey is all about. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that was uh, that was a big deal for us. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about some of the other, you know, uh, players in the game, because and I, I know Greg disagreed with me last week, but Aaron Henry to me is somebody who has just been kind of taking care of business. And and I know there are moments that he slashes and it's amazing, but his stat lines seem to be sneaky quiet to me. Mm-hmm. So at Penn State, he had 12 points, eight rebounds, three assists. I mean, yep. a great game, a well-rounded game. But, yep. you know, never does it seem like he is, well, I mean, with Tillman's stat line, it's hard to seem like the, the flash. But, I mean, he's just been quietly being a reliable fourth leg to this team. And, yeah, and it's made all the difference in the world. 
No, it, it has. And, you know, he's playing on average, probably somewhere in the low 30 minutes. Um, he, he only played 25 minutes uh, against Penn State. So really one of the shorter averages that game. And I think part of that you're, you're kind of seeing, um, you know, eight rebounds is really not anything to cough at. I think at the end of the game, 12 points in only 25 minutes, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty efficient. I mean, it's, it's pretty efficient. I'm not going to complain about that. So, yeah, we also credit for that. Uh, obviously you have to ma- mention Cassius who had 25 points, uh, nine assists, two rebounds and a steal. I mean, I, I, I don't know what more to say about cash and I, and I'm going to feel the same way when we talk about the Ohio state game, but, yeah. um, and in fact, let's just table Cassius cause we've got a lot to get yeah. into on Cassius, yeah, but the, yeah. well, the last go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was going to take it to rack of lots. Cause I think, you know, I mean, I don't know if anyone makes me as happy right now thinking about, <laughs> yeah. and again, this is going to be the Ohio State thing, but thinking about what the transition for our team means going forward um, than, than what Rocket Watts promises us. And I know, you know, we'll talk a little bit about some of the reporting that's come out around some of the comments folks have made earlier in the season around things. But at the end of the day, the kids just throwing up balls and they're going in 18 points on seven for 20 shooting, uh, including 20% from the three point line. That's that's he's just he's gonna just shoot until he makes it <laughs> through like he through, just through sheer yeah through sheer tenacity of will <laughs> yes but uh, more importantly I think for Rocket is the defense has just been locked down I mean yeah. it, and Tillman is is uh, a stud defensively in his own right and and we'll talk in a minute but just was awarded Defensive Player of the Year for the conference and it's well earned. Um, but Rocket Watts' defense at the guard has been a, a, a real game changer um, yep. because as much as Tillman can be crushing it down low, if there's not someone on the perimeter just to wreck your guard's life, then, you know, the whole dynamic of the game changes. Yeah, um, no, totally. And I mean, his ability to just not leave the pocket of whoever he's defending and, you know, even he, he's rarely getting behind a screen. He's he's just on the ball, off the ball. He's just there. And and that intensity, I think, has has fed the rest of the team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sort of speaking of rocket and intensity, I uh, want to give a hat tip to an awesome article uh, penned by. Uh, Sean Windsor at the uh, Detroit Free or, uh, yeah the Detroit Free Press. Yeah, the free, yeah. Um, the, it's titled uh, "How Rocket Watts Ignited Michigan State Basketball." Quote: "You got any balls?" End quote. And the I don't want to totally ruin the article, but uh, the gist of it is that uh, there he recounts an exchange that happened between Izzo and Watts. Uh, where Izzo pulled Watts after a bad decision and was yelling at him. And uh, Watts just sort of sat there seething. Uh, And apparently Izzo walked over to him and said, are you mad at me? And Watts said, no. And Izzo said, you got any balls? And he said, yeah. And then asked them, why don't you say, yeah, I'm mad at you. (laughs) And, and eventually Watts finally responded and, 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 uh, as much as we, we give Izzo, uh, or not as we, but as much flack as Izzo gets for sort of that that angry look where he's yelling and berating his players, what was really interesting about that anecdote to me was the level at which he was enabling his players to give it back and also 
sort of unabashedly share their feelings with them. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think the word here is invitation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Izzo knows how to talk to his players. He knows how to get in their face when he needs to, because he knows how to read them. And, you know, you get someone like Watts, who's young, he's coming in, he's, you know, got something to prove. He, he, when he throws them up, they're usually going in, he's working hard, but at a certain point, Izzo's going to need him to, to get with the program. Right. And he's going to need to get him online with what Izzo's trying to run for the Michigan state team. So, you know, for me, he's going to use what he needs to do to, I don't know, to get these players to listen to him and, and, and to jump in. And this is a great opportunity where he's, he's not just being, you know, uh, a, a mean guy. If we're going to keep it PG for, uh, for our friend, Kevin Grick, um, <laughs> you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to be, he's not going to be rude for no reason. And I think that walking down and, and, and inviting that conversation, that's what he was doing. And he's trying to get these guys to open up and, uh, and to start playing with that full passion that they have. I mean, I think that's one of Izzo's kind of methods to the madness. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the you know as as much was made over, you know, Cash and uh, Winston getting into it, and uh, maybe it was at the Penn State game, um, and and Cash just giving it back, yeah, and it yep. you know, and they they both brushed it off in the end because it was an, a mutual acknowledgement of we just both want to win, you know, like that's that's what it is. And sometimes that's that's what Izzo wants. I mean, I think like sometimes Izzo, he, he does. I mean, yeah, look, there's no doubt the guy's emotional. That's fine. And sometimes what he really wants is he wants to see his guys rise to his level of emotion. And I think you see it really well with Cassius. Izzo will yeah. get in his face because he expects the most out of him. And so when he does and Cash gets right back in his face, you will see Izzo's body. He, he kind of gets smaller for a second. He, he moves his posture to stand kind of more um, parallel as opposed to confrontational. And he starts to divert his attention because yes. he realizes in that moment, ah, you, you hear me, you see me, you feel me. We're aligned now. OK, and I'm on to the next thing. Right. And then that's it. It's over. And so I think after the game, when you get reporters and some of the folks are kind of making a stink of it, I think for Izzo, it's sort of like, what, what are you talking about? I don't even remember that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right. You know, I don't have to give, give the guy some credit because it's obviously working out. And and it's nice to see, you know, as much as Rocket's coming alive, what was telling about that story to me that I, I really would encourage anyone who's not had the chance to read it to check out is uh, the degree to which you're as much as I am literally cherishing every second of caches that we have left, that it is someone um, to be excited about for the future who is already growing within the mold of the team. Um, So with that, let's turn our attention to the game uh, yesterday. Wow. Michigan State back home for senior night, pummeling Ohio State. The final score was 80 to 69. But uh, despite uh, Chris Holtman throwing a temper tantrum, uh, we invited (laughs) them to score a few additional points at the end of the game. So I thought it was generous. (laughs) Yeah. It was, we were, we were letting you save some face, but uh, I'm just going to run down some of the box scores so we don't have to go through each one of them. Tillman, 15 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks. Aaron Henry, 12 points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks. Um, the uh, Rocket, 19 points, five rebounds, and cash. Cash, beautiful cash, 27 points, six assists four rebounds and a steal in a, in a very complete team game that, uh, I don't know. It, it, how, how was it? Um, how, how was your experience with the game? 
You know, I, so I'll be honest. I, I I listened to most of it. Uh, listened to Will Tillman just uh, or Tillman. Sorry, Will Tillman. Yeah, Will Tillman. He got it. Tillman. Just, uh, <laughs> Tillman is is making lots of people his sons, but I don't think Tillman is one of them. No, yet. you know, it's sadly, just, it's just sadly. centers in the Big Ten. Well, so actually, you know, this is fun. Uh, Tillman said before the game, so he's sitting there. And uh, he's in the middle of talking and he just stops talking. And you're, I mean, I'm checking my phone like, oh, there's something wrong with the broadcast. And he gets back on the mic. He said, Izzo just came over and gave me knuckles. He said, the first time in all the years I've been doing this, he just gave me a fist pound. And I knew at that moment, Izzo was in this game. And for me, that was the moment where I realized, I don't care what happens. I could turn it off. I know they're going to win the game because Izzo's at some, he's got some sort of like beautiful piece about him as he celebrates his, his seniors last regular season wow. home game. You know, and and you could hear the emotion in Teeman's voice as he realized, like, wow. I mean, I don't know what the hell that was, but that's great. So it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to listen and kind of get that piece of it. Obviously, I had to tune in for the last few minutes, and um, you know, watching those guys drop down and kiss the uh, the Spartan helmet there in the midcourt was uh, was an emotional thing. Yeah, uh, you know, I wish I wish that there was a way for the broadcast to carry, you know, the post game celebrations i I mean it you know one of the i guess as awful and terrible as twitter is uh, for a lot of reasons thank god that those things were pretty much crowdsourced and so you got you got to watch and experience them um but you know it's it's a weird thing to say because we've got at least two games left with 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 cash um, you hope it's more, but yeah. you know, uh, it's just, and I don't want to belabor it because, you know, Greg and I covered a lot of this last week, but, um, I, you know, we'll see other competitors come through and other really endearing competitors, but I don't know that there's anyone who encapsulates everything that I want to believe about my university, the way Cassius Winston does. Yeah. I mean, he's just a good guy. I mean, he's, he's a solid guy. He has been, um, he, he never wanted the role of having to be the absolute staunchest spokesperson for, for what it means to be a champion in the midst of, of unfathomable pain and adversity. And yet have we ever seen a Spartan in, in that kind of tragedy be the source of solid strength that he's needed to be for the team. And I know that team has rallied around him and been that source of strength for him, but, but my God, I mean, he has come through in ways that I, I don't know how you keep doing that. And I know a lot of it's cause it's, it's really, you know, he's, he's been able to let basketball be a way to honor his brother's memory. And I think that's, that's beautiful to have the maturity of that kind of framing. Um, and you know, for yeah. me to see when he goes off to see who comes on to replace him, you know, I mean, that that for me, as you see, as you see little Stevie Izzo come on and yeah. uh, sort of the biological son come on and replace really this chosen son. Um, I just was a that was a really striking, really beautiful moment. And I think a, a, a beautiful way to honor um, the legacy of what this kid has, has, has brought and will leave at, at Michigan State. Yeah, I, well said. I couldn't have said it better. Um, you know, uh, as as we honor and I don't want to I don't want to leave Kyle Arnes out because you know he he's obviously been um a real amazing asset to this team a warrior for the team who regularly risks his body um you know even connor george uh, is a walk-on 
easily could have been playing a great number of places, yeah. um, but but chose to stick with it and and had really successful moments on the court when we needed him. And yep. so it's a it's an incredible senior class that's leaving. But we should also talk about someone who may or may not be leaving, um, and Xavier Tillman, which. Yeah. Dude has been insane. So I want to give a hat tip to Brendan Quinn of The Athletic, um, who pointed out that uh, in the last two weeks, Xavier Tillman has had to guard Luca Garza, Jalen Smith, Lamar Stevens, and most recently, <laughs> Caleb Wesson. Yeah. Luca Garza and Jalen Smith are uh, first team all Big Ten. They are uh, semifinalists for player of the year in the country. And he has held them collectively to 16 from for 45 from two point land. Wow. That is insane. Wow. Just insane. God, um, tell me. And if he just, I don't know. I mean, I guess I should cease to be surprised by an Izzo team crushing it in March but it really feels like in spite of everything that's happened, this team is actually clicking right now. Yeah. And you almost don't want to say it, right? I mean, this is where my, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. This is, this is kind of where my little superstition comes in, but, but, but no, I think there is a maturity here and I think it is more, I mean, we're giving him, we're giving him crap because he's, you know, he added a couple letters to his Jersey, but, but there is, but let's name the maturity that we're seeing right now. Yeah. And I think it, it has been through this season. You are seeing him continue to step up. I think the athletic stat line there is brilliant. I think it says everything it needs to. There's no wonder the kids named, uh, big 10 defensive player of the year. I mean, that, that's just not, I know we're going to get to it, but, but that's just not, that that's not, a, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. That had to have been a no brainer to every single person, um, in, in superlative land kind of, kind of laying out things because, um, because, because Tillman has been one and, and, you know, you take it back to the Penn state 15 points. You, you, if you don't have a, a strong defensive mind, you, I know to win the basketball game, it typically helps for you to score more points than your opponent. Oh, and, wait, and that is some uh, crushing hot insight. Hot hot more. But to <laughs> get there, to get there, I mean, I don't know, from a Michigan State team, I think it starts with defense, and uh, and, and Tillman has been the guy to do it. Yeah, and, and taking a lot of those guys mostly without a double team, or regularly without a double team, is so impressive. Yeah, that's um, a good point. You know, when, when uh, Tillman had to go out early in the first half against Iowa, you know, we immediately started doubling Luca Garza but didn't have to do when it was in there and the whole team defense clicked better. Mm. Um, but, uh, I guess we should touch on only because there's been some clarity on it. Uh, Chris Holtman, uh, head coach for Ohio state, uh, apparently according to a reporter for the AP was throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum about Michigan state's senior day tradition of, uh, kissing the Spartan helmet on the way out. Yeah. And, has since apologized and explained that it was a matter of, uh, he, I think he didn't call himself a poor sport, but by implication, he acknowledged he was being a poor sport. They had lost and that he just wanted to get off the floor. Um, you know, he was, he pretty much was yelling at the ref. They should be doing this after the game. Uh, right. What, what's your take on this? Yeah, it's right. I mean, I think I I, kind of saw that, you know, you kind of see the camera panning a little bit. And, you know, there's a view there where you see him kind of on the court and you're kind of like, what's the guy doing? You know, I think I I won't divulge too much other than to say, you know, I I, I do referee 
um, at a high level. And, you know, we're trained for, for these guys at the higher levels, you know, this, this isn't just a game, right. And, and these guys have got a lot at stake. We know that, uh, we're, we're dealing with right now. We're going to get to it when we get to, uh, we get to football, um, for, for these guys, it isn't just a game. And so emotions do get the best of them because their careers are literally on the line. They're getting judged every single game. So I think the best referees appreciate that. And I think in this kind of situation, you recognize the scenario you're in, uh, those referees would have, would have talked about this before the game. They would have talked about all of the con- contextual factors, the variables going into this, uh, senior day, these guys have been around um, Michigan. None of these referees are first time referees, right? They don't get assigned right. to the regular season. Despite the fact that <laughs> uh, they sometimes see finale. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, Hey, we can save our, our criticisms of Jim Burr and his ilk for later. But, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, TV Teddy, but, but no, but I think in this case, you know, you've got a coach who's, who's, who's just letting it out. And I think the best referees hear him. You know, they walked with him back to the bench. They nodded. They were being, you know, they were letting him get it off of his chest. Tom saw it, and 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 that's what that's what Holman said in the uh, in the, in his in his kind of clarifying remarks was they they hit the um they hit the line to to shake hands at the end of the game and 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 Tom the first words out of his mouth were I'm sorry, you know, yeah. and and Holman even recognized that said he didn't have to apologize, and I think you know that that says a lot. It says first it says everything you need to know about Tom Izzo and the kind of character the guy has. And it says something that, you know, in, in his moment of frustration at Ohio state, after getting walloped on in this game, um, he was able to kind of just say, you know, I, yeah, I got pissed. I was emotional. I'm sorry. And I was wrong and, and we're fine. Move on. So, you know, maybe much ado about nothing, but I think at the end of the day, um, referees did a good job handling it, probably said something to call him, calm him down. And, and he was, and so there, there, there you have it which is deal with it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and because as Izzo pointed out, they do the same thing when we're losing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you got and, it. and if you didn't want that to happen, make the game closer. Like, you I mean, it. um, <laughs> but so let's talk, uh, a little bit of superlatives. Uh, obviously we've mentioned Xavier Tillman defensive player of the year. I think that was a no brainer. Um, totally. Xavier Tillman was also second team, all big 10. Just deserved well, yeah. um, you, you could have made a convincing argument for him to be first team, all big 10. The problem is that this, this big 10 is just loaded with excellent big men. And yeah. I don't, you know, uh, between Garza, Lamar Stevens and, um, Jalen Smith out of Maryland, Maryland. Yep. I, I, you know, I'm not, you know, the, there's not a requirement that it be balanced between, you know, guards and forwards or centers, but you'd have, you'd be hard pressed to put together a team of exclusively, you know, forward slash centers. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting and I think, uh, bears some, uh, dragging, if you will, is Cassius Winston was not, um, or, well, I don't know actually if his vote counts. I don't think it does. Uh, but the USA Today writers had a, a, a poll, a ballot, if you will, of who their first team uh, All Big Ten would be. And Graham Couch, columnist for the Lansing State Journal, inexplicably in my mind, did not vote for Cassius Winston. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see him come on and explain that. I mean, that that <laughs> well, to so me is – So he got, yeah. he got immediately dragged on Twitter and – in, in, in and I, I tweeted this and and I'll stand by it that in Graham's uh, I don't want to say defense, um, but credit to Graham he he took it and he engaged 
um, with everyone who was who cared to have a rational debate with him, he engaged. Um, his his sort of argument was that Io DeSumo from uh, Illinois had a bigger year for his team and did some really clutch things for them. Fine, I yeah, guess. I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, there's. Listen, Wisconsin's got a share of this uh, of this title, right? And you don't see a single one of their guys on the Big Ten uh, first team list. So you tell me. I mean, how do you how do you make that justification when you've got when, when you know what I mean? Like, I, I it, it, these things take more. I mean, I know we're looking at individual players, but you have to also put them in the context of of their whole team. And so, yeah, maybe his maybe his comment treads some water, but. I'm sorry. That for me is you're you're pulling at straws, and I guess you're trying to get a little traffic on your Twitter account because that's just for me not. I, I'm not buying it. Well, and I also don't understand because he simultaneously in defending it said that Cassius Winston is the best guard in the Big Ten. So I am genuinely confused. What does it mean to be all Big Ten? Yeah, and so that's the question. Uh, you know, because statistically, uh, Cassius Winston is better than Io. DeSumo, um, yep. I am, I, I would be, if you lined up all the coaches in the Big Ten and said, hey, you get to, you get to draft a new team from current Big Ten players, you tell me Cassius Winston isn't their first pick. Every I single one of them. Every single one of them. Yep. And, and if you, if he's not your first pick, the guy who's picking second is just exploding with excitement. <laughs> like, yes. I, I mean, so anyway, Graham... Uh, we value we we value the work that you do, but you were uh, you. I think the nicest way of saying this is you overthought this one. Mm. Um, that's thoughtful. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, also notable, Rocket Watts was on um, all Big Ten freshman uh, team, um, so uh, which seemed kind of obvious to me. Well, um, kids got balls, you know. What are you going to do? <laughs> and he said as much. Um, so I, let's, uh, let's turn to some football, uh, because I don't know what to say other than it feels really good to be big 10 champs again. Again, again, I, I'm just worried what it's going to feel like to not be big champs anymore. Cause I'm getting used to it. I don't know, man. Three Pete. I'll take a four Pete. Uh, we actually have a question about, um, some of those records coming up. So I will hold off talking more smack. Uh, let's briefly talk a little football. Um, the FOIAs have come in on some mm. on some people, and we have info about salaries. So Scotty Hazleton, our new defensive coordinator, is getting paid $900,000 a year. That is a $500,000 pay raise from his previous mm. role. More than that. Um, wow. We, yeah. Um, or maybe it's, uh, maybe he was at 500,000 before and it's up 400,000. Um, still big pay bump, uh, defensive line coach, uh, who was supposedly going to IU, but, uh, stayed with us. Ron Burton is getting a pay bump, uh, to 510,000. That's up from 425. And we are still waiting to hear on Jay Johnson, uh, Mike Trussell, Harlan Barnett, uh, Piegler and uh, Gillison. So uh, it seems like Mel Tucker spending that money though. Good for him. I mean, this is a, this is a big deal. This is what you wanted to see, right? I mean, this is why they basically, 
you know, they, they, they backed up one Brinks armored truck to his house. And then they said, the second one's waiting for you in East Lansing for your staff. So, uh, <laughs> drive it where you will. Here's the keys, you know, and I think he is now he's letting it, making it rain. And I, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I know folks have, have come from Michigan state and sort of said, oh, this is this, you know, program is biting off more than it can chew. But I, I want to see, uh, I want to see the results speak for themselves. And I think this is an investment. We talk about this uh, in the corporate world all the time. You have to pay for quality and you make an investment in folks that you know that can perform. And so I yep. think for me to, to look at Hazleton uh, coming from Kansas state, that, that's, that's great for us. That's a great opportunity. Obviously that is a huge investment for him and, yeah. uh, and Ron Burton who no one wanted to leave. Um, right. we've, we've thrown some more at him to, to kind of spruce that up. So, um, you know, don't be surprised when, uh, when, when, you know, when Harlan Barnett's numbers show up, I, I think, um, there's good reason for this and I, I'm excited to see it continue to play out. Yeah. Uh, something else of note is that the recruiting seems to be going well. Uh, Mel Tucker had, uh, it seemed like the entire class of, uh, West Bloomfield high school, uh, football at the, uh, the senior day game for basketball. <laughs> Uh, notable other attendee, attendee was Imani Bates was uh, was in Spartan Stadium or I'm sorry in the Breslin Center once again. Um, I know he's not football related, but uh, Still, we're nice. seeing some some synergy and Tucker really trying to leverage special moments um, mm-hmm. in a way that, in, in fairness, I don't think we've seen in sort of maybe quite quite the same experiences put together. Uh, since Curtis Blackwell was around, and mm. I know he is uh, the person we do not like to name here, but uh, it, it, nonetheless, it is really amping up. Um, it seems like the, the sort of experiential element to recruiting, which is exciting. Um, it is. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think about the times, you know, when we were in uh, when we were in college, we'd go, you know, hit the lower bowl, be there for the games. You look over and you start to kind of divine between the faces, who was who, who had you heard about, what schools were they coming from? So it is kind of fun to, uh, to get at those big games and see who they're bringing in because this isn't a small thing, you know, th- that this game is a, is a meaningful game. And so when you see um, potential recruits coming in with their families for a game like Michigan state, Ohio state last regular season game, um, you know, uh, for, for basketball, big senior day kind of game, you know, there's something to kind of look at here with these guys. And I think, in fact, they show up they're with the family, yeah, a little popcorn, uh, look at Izzo, ask the players if they got balls or God knows what else. He asks <laughs> them. You know, hey, you now you know what the culture is and uh, welcome to it. Go green. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and get to see those seniors have that kind of special moment. Um, yeah. yeah. And with a huge win, taking it home a title like uh, I couldn't imagine a better a, a better game for recruits to come to. So hopefully we see, you know, that come through with some commits in the future that we can talk about. Cause we love talking about little boys here. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> most, anyway, most weeks, most, yeah, most weeks. Um, do we want to talk about the combine at all? Uh, you know, I might just say that, um, I, you know, there were some, there were some comments out there, uh, by some of the, you know, uh, scouts who were looking at these guys and, I don't. I don't actually know if any of uh, any of the big guys from Michigan State who got who got a look um, came out super looking super good based on the the comments that I saw published on uh, 247 Sports. Um, they said something uh, about Kenny Wilkes, like he's he's a high effort worker bee. Uh, what is it with referring to football players as animals? I don't understand it. Well, that's a great question, and I think <laughs> that deserves that deserves a whole pod. <laughs> uh, cause I, I think there's really something there. I mean, he called Josiah Scott, the gnat 
has no <laughs> issues checking athletic boxes. <laughs> Uh, smooth hips, smooth hips. I, you know, I, I don't know about that, but, uh, but good for him. Good for him getting in there. Must have been a, a locker room kind of uh, comment. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I will say, you know, Joe Bocci, um, I think one of the more notable things that, that maybe people might have some sort of emotional stake in, uh, Joe Bocci provided answers on, for the first time publicly, on his suspension after testing positive for um, a some sort of performing enhance something that's been deemed a performance enhancing substance. Um, it's worth checking out. Um, you know, you can believe Joe or not believe Joe. I guess if I had to put money on it, he seems like someone who um, always put the work in. Yeah. So you yep. know, um, I, he claims it was an over the counter pre workout. Uh, supplement um, that he had taken before. Um, and so, you know, if, if you want to beat up on the guy that you can, you can start with believing his story and saying you shouldn't have been taking things that weren't going to the training staff. Yep. Um, and you can still beat up on him for that. And I don't know that anyone, you know, it, he, he just strikes me as someone who probably wasn't doing a performance enhancing drug in the way that people are speculating, but you know, um, no one will ever know. I guess you just have to kind of take what you know about him and try and, and find it in you to, to make your own decision. Uh, but nonetheless, we wish all the Spartans the best in, um, in the draft. So no doubt, no doubt forever Spartan. Um, wrestling happened. Uh, oh yeah. Sunday. Yeah. That's right. Um, Iowa won again. Again, again, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, um, wrestling is not particularly competitive, right? I guess is the best way of saying it. And I had to do a little bit of research. But of all the uh, national championships in wrestling, Oklahoma State has 34. Iowa has, I believe, 25. And the next closest is Penn State at nine. <laughs> so it's really like not a particularly competitive sport. So yeah. uh, MSU plays 10 out of 14. Oops. Get them next year, boys. Yep. Get them next year. Well, oops. Um, with that, Plum, you want to take us to our first not a sponsor? Yeah, sure do. Well, you know, in this heightened state of worry and panic over novel viruses spreading around the globe, maybe this weekend, instead of going out, you'll stay in. This week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not sponsored by Dance Dance Revolution, who in the wake of the failed Luke Fickle edition is pleased to announce <laughs> a new version you're sure to love, DDR, the Gabe Brown edition. While most DDR <laughs> versions are played via consoles like PS4, Xbox, and Atari, this version only requires basic cable and a scheduled MSU men's basketball game. <laughs> Stand in front of your TV, and whenever Aaron Henry slams one down and the camera pans to the MSU bench, you should see the six foot seven inch sophomore from Ypsilanti going hog wild. Some of his favorite <laughs> moves include the windmill, the sprinkler, the Dougie, and from last week, the raise the roof. So this weekend, instead of going out and contracting a deadly coronavirus, stay home <laughs> and let Gabe Brown revolutionize your life. Oh, DDR, we thank you for being not a sponsor. We will surely have you back again. Um, uh, Plum, let's head off Grand River. 
I yeah. don't want to spend too much time on bracketology. All right. Um, only because I, I feel like it's something we can't control. Um, Nor can Joe Lombardi. Nope. Um, and uh, I am genuinely baffled how uh, a state university that's named after a city yeah. that is San Diego State. Who? Uh, right. Who? <laughs> end up being a number one seed. But I do think it's worth uh, if, if people want a parallel in history, go back to 2014, because uh, I believe in 2014, Wichita State was a number one seed that didn't end up going particularly well for them. Um, it's it's going to be a wild year. 2014 was a wild year. There's a lot of parody. I know that talking point has probably been repeated ad nauseum for everyone who's listening. But the reason like someone like San Diego State is the number one seed is, A, they're, they're good, right? I, I don't mean to take that away from them. Okay. But you, you have to have a degree of parity in, in the rest of college basketball for someone like San Diego State to take the one seed. So, I mean – Listen, I just hope we wind up in whatever region they're in. I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, I think uh, not the worst, not the worst one seed to go against, you know? Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, but if, uh, if, if people want to sort of, if you're into bracketology, I want to give a shout out to bracketmatrix.com, which takes all of the bracketologists, many of whom you've heard of, many of whom you have not, gives you what their bracket breakdown is. Most of those people have Michigan State being a three seed. Some have us as a two. Some of us have some have us as a four. But the fascinating part is you can go to the ranking section where they rank different bracketologists over the last five years. Um, so it's it's sort of a a bit of a running average with primacy being weighted heavier. Uh, so you can see who's actually the best. Shocker: Joe Lunardi is not winning that fight. Um, so, so um, yeah, let's, I, I think we should talk a little bit more, um, about the, the terrible story that's unfolding at the university of Michigan right now. Um, and, and maybe sort of a, a bit about the culture of shame and secrecy and, and why sometimes it takes so long for for terrible things like this to come to light. So, I mean, Alex, what's I, I know you are, are well versed in, in in some of these uh, issues. Can you can you talk people through kind of what's going on there and, and what the the time gap is like? Yeah, I think it's it's hard, right? I mean, I think um, you know, we in in sort of the field of public health and and you talk about mental health as a as a huge component of what informs um, any kind of health outcome. And right? if you're if you're sort of not doing well in terms of your responses to trauma, you've got a lot of shame, uh, depression, those kinds of things. We talk about mental health, and it, it really becomes a driving factor in how people are experiencing wellness, uh, sort of overall. And so I think what we're seeing is um, as uh, this sort of Me Too movement has come into the fore. Um, a lot of the first cases that you saw coming out were sort of what maybe, I don't know if you want to call them more socially acceptable, but but they were um, expressions of um, of of this sort of sexual violence uh, where you were seeing predominantly women as the victims, uh, or I should say survivors, coming forward with stories, harrowing stories 
um, of having survived some of the just the most despicable and atrocious conduct uh, imaginable. Um, and I, st- I think that there is something about um, when it is uh, when it's a man who has survived a sexual trauma at the hands of another man, what it means to reckon with that, what it means to be honest, um, to 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 sort of bear the vulnerability of that, especially in a culture um, like wrestling, right, where where everything is about how masculine everything is so masculine, your strength, your size, how much you're benching. I mean, down to the singlets they're wearing, you have to sort of overcompensate for maybe what could be, I don't know, taken out of context in some of the wrestling matches. It's, so to, to then be, um, to then have been put in, a, in in these sort of abusive hands, this this just horrible contact, uh, context of what's happened in the University of Michigan, um, it's just striking. And so I think as, as people are coming to terms with it, as Me Too has sort of become a cultural phenomenon where folks are talking about it in, in just everyday conversation. Um, you're seeing top to bottom, the political conversation is, is changed. Folks know what is acceptable. And I think finally folks are sort of saying what I did back then I thought was acceptable. I know now it wasn't. And, and now it's giving people the permission um, societally to come forward and say, you know, this, this is unacceptable. This happened to me. And they've got more than a hundred unique complaints at the university of Michigan about this guy. Um, uh, accusing him of sexual abuse and their credible complaints. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess I would, I'd say one more thing just really quickly. And that is, um, a, a tip of that, that old hat to university of Michigan, who we just found out, um, earlier today, it hit the news that they, um, they're replacing the law firm, um, who, who they've used for their internal investigation into these allegations. And I don't want to understate that because the, the firm that they had chosen, um, Steptoe and Johnson, I think yep. they have represented uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, they have rep- they've represented Roman Polanski. I mean, you're talking about people who, in the public eye, um, ha- are absolutely you know worth nothing, monsters. guilty beyond monsters, guilty beyond a, 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 a shade of doubt. And um, and I, I give them a lot of credit for them for for Mark Schlissel and for the Board of Regents of the University of Michigan to to have that conversation with survivors um, from from across the university. And, uh, and and to consult with them, to hear their hurt, to hear their stories, and to say, you know, we can't, we can't have this. And and so, you know, it, I, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Um, but you know, MSU at every turn did everything wrong in in the in the face of Larry Nasser. Yeah, there's not many commendable decisions that I can point to, if any. And so. What what do you think? What do you hope as U of M, you know, is and maybe there's not maybe this is so dated that there's less of a you know quote unquote culture change that needs to happen there. But if there is a culture change, it has to do, I I think anyway, with not running away or trying to bury things like this and instead sort of taking them head on. And, and bringing them to light, even though it may cause momentary pain for a community or dishonor or, you know, I, I can think of several words to describe that um, many of the feelings I felt when I found out about Larry Nasser as someone who certainly didn't stand up for any of that conduct. But, you know, what I wish MSU had done was not try and shy away from the truth. So what in your mind are some of the culture changes that need to happen at 
any institution, because we really are not picking on U of M here. It just happens to be that they are the latest, and it really is just the latest it in is. a series of universities who are dealing with weirdly medical professionals who, you know, abuse their position of trust. Yeah, you're you're totally right, and and there will be more. I mean, I think that's the that's the the sickest part of all of this is there is there will be more. Um, you know, Ohio State's been through the news. Minnesota's been through the news. Um, USC, I believe. USC and in sports doctors. I mean, you you called it out. There's something around this sort of, which I think makes it even more violent. That this is a this is a person yeah. that you trusted. This is a person who's who's ostensibly giving you medical advice and whose directions you're following because you think that they're helping you. And so, it, not to rank these things, and because I don't think they're rankable, but there's a, right. there's a via, a trust violation. Um, on on top of all else that I think just makes that the worst. So, you know, you can you can look at Michigan and you can sort of say, well, how the heck did you guys choose this firm uh, in the beginning? But 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 it got a decision got made, you know, hopefully someone got fired over it. And <laughs> what did they do? He comes right out and he says we were wrong. We were wrong. We're sorry. And here's how it happened. And we're wrong. And we're not going forward with them. And we're going to keep searching. I think it's it's it is admitting and acknowledging that we were wrong. And I, I don't know. I mean, Mark, uh, Mike, you were the you're the uh, you know the 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 one with a law degree in this conversation. I don't know what it means to for university for others to step forward and say the words "we are wrong." I think Michigan State was afraid to use the words "we were wrong" and "we are sorry" because of the maybe I don't know if that if it makes you culpable or if it if it's suggestive of of culpability or guilt in some way. Um, but, but, and, and, and if it does, and, and I, I think you'd have to risk it because for me, what, what survivors, what we hear from survivors time and time again in this work, what we hear from people who are living with trauma, who are living with secrets of abuse is that they don't believe that they're going to be believed and they don't believe that they're going to be taken seriously. And when you have people who are sidestepping, diverting, not answering the question, coming up with reasons and excuses that they made the decisions that they made, it, it feels, I think, to, to people, I think what you read is it feels like gaslighting. And so to have someone step forward like, yeah. like Michigan's done here and just say, no, no, we were wrong. We, we, we read this one wrong. We were totally wrong. And there's no excuse for it. That, for me, is a huge sign of the kind of culture change that I think we want to keep seeing. Yeah, and 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 this is gonna this is the sort of legal hat on. This is gonna sound a bit insensitive, um, and and I, I don't mean it to be only that. You know, if you're advising a client, you have a responsibility to advocate for them zealously. That mm-hmm. it is a it is a requirement of practicing. That said, there is a difference between advocating zealously for someone who has um, one accuser versus 100 accusers. Because, I mean, you, at some point in time, you, you, there's too many for you to really be debating the facts, right? That, you know, it, it is as simple as, wow, that is, that is a lot of people, something terrible happened here. And it, it should be so easy to acknowledge that your pain is true, authentic, and that it happened under our watch. Now, yeah. you can you can you can do all of that. And, you know, you may have to be a little bit careful about how you word things. You can still try and mitigate damage if that's the direction you choose to go. But there's nothing that precludes you because it because to your point, it is gaslighting. To, to deny its existence after 100 uh, credible accusations 
is gaslighting. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, and I want to be very clear that when I talk about the difference between one and 100, I am, I'm not in any way suggesting that all survivors, all accusers shouldn't be believed because they should. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just trying to put the hat on if I had a client like an institution that, that the, the process through which you may have them speak publicly and may speak to accusers is is different um, for a liability reason. And that's it. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's, with that uplifting note, yeah. um, <laughs> talk about something else that's uplifting. And I know we've, we've talked a little bit about you having a public health background, but maybe before we talk coronavirus, maybe you can share with the folks some credentials so that they know you're you're not just somebody who I'm like, oh, yeah, trust me. <laughs> yeah, well, let me just uh, crack another one open here because uh, <laughs> in, in honor of the corona here. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I got a master's degree in public health. Um, you took a pretty substantial coursework in epidemiology and, and, um, and, and specifically looking at behavioral science and sort of health education. So I have a good kind of lexus around um, what it means to understand uh, health disease trends, uh, how you communicate them to the public. Um, and how you understand kind of human behavior is both a, a factor that um, contributes to disease spread and can also obviously be co-opted for, for more beneficial pieces around um, disease management. Um, these so, days, I, I work at a hospital and um, work, um, work in population health and manage a lot of programs kind of around population and public health interventions that, you know, that really focus on health and wellness. So if it's OK, I think the best way to do this is because there is um, – a lot of information being thrown around about coronavirus, and we're not, I don't think, here seeking to be the authoritative voice for it. Right. But there's also a lot of misinformation that's being thrown around and a lot of people making, for instance, purchasing decisions uh, <laughs> that aren't always based in reality. Um, so let's start with a real – I'll ask the dummy new person questions, and you can just kind of give me the here's what you need to know. So let's start with what is coronavirus? So uh, coronaviruses themselves are a, a pretty large family of viruses. Um, what we call the common cold, that, that's, that is a version of a coronavirus, right? So most coronaviruses that, that, are, uh, that are familiar to the human body are things that we've lived with for a long time. Um, they, uh, they typically will cause some sort of respiratory um, distress. Like you get a cold, you're going to get the congestion, upper respiratory infection, we call it. You get, a con you get some congestion. Um, you know, you might, you might be feeling sick. Uh, flu is the same thing. You know, these these are viruses that are typically pretty known um, to people. Um, but as a large family of viruses, there are many, many more um, that that only infect animals. Um, unfortunately, what we're seeing rarely, um, very rarely, thankfully, is sometimes there these viruses are smart enough to jump, and um, and when they are able to jump from animals to humans, um, our bodies are taken obviously off guard because we haven't developed the kind of immunity to them that we have. Um, that has allowed us to sort of manage a common cold, which has, you know, very almost zero mortality. It's just a, it's kind of an annoyance. Um, it becomes something that, that we can't control. And are the symptoms of this more like a common cold or more like the flu? It kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, you don't typically get runny nose from this, uh, this specific novel um, coronavirus, this COVID-19, they've, they've named it. Um, we're looking more at um, pretty high fever, like you would kind of with the flu, um, and a very dry cough. Um, uh, followed by, um, you know, in, in extreme cases, um, pretty serious respiratory distress. Um, and that, that can be uh, typically caused by, um, by um, edema, swelling, fluid in the lungs. 
um, which which basically requires you know emergency um, hospitalization to get um, to get that fluid under control and to ensure that you know in a worst case scenario you you get connected to a ventilator to help you breathe and continue to circulate oxygenated blood through the body. And and how's the how's the virus spreading? Well, that's the concern right now. Um, it's um, it is spreading from person to person, like most coronaviruses end up being able to do. So the spread pattern is uh, is typically through droplets, which is how you get sick when you're when you get the cold. Um, I think the big thing to 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 know here um, is that um, is that the, the main cause of this, it, it, according to at least one peer reviewed study that that's come out so far, is while it is droplets, um, it doesn't appear that the COVID virus right now, from the existing evidence we have is staying in the air very long, um, those droplets are landing. And, and so what's actually happening is it's folks who are coughing into their hands and who are then touching a doorknob or shaking someone's hand um, or, or you know, picking up their phone. And it's, that is the level that we're talking about in terms of how this virus is currently spreading. Um, unfortunately, the virus is, is really, at this point, it, it seems to be pretty contagious. Um, it's, it's not having a very difficult time spreading. Um, it isn't going, you know, crazy like measles tends to do. Um, but it's, but it, it's getting out there and it, it's reaching something now we're calling community spread, which means it is, um, it's viral enough. It, it, it's contagious enough that, um, it is now spreading kind of more easily and sustainably, uh, between folks who have no known exposure to, um, to people who have it. In other words, um, people can be touching somebody who has, you know, touching a doorknob after someone who has the, has, you know, a coronavirus, touches that doorknob, gets it themselves, and before they're symptomatic, you know, coughs into their hand or blows their nose and then, you know, opens another door and someone else touches it. And so we've, we've got that level of spread right now. Um, it, it does seem to, to primarily be kind of contained within specific affected geographic areas, but um, but for how for, for how long that happens, you know, we're, we're not sure. Um, it, it, it really is only a matter of time before, um, if, you know, Michigan right now, we don't have any cases, knock on wood. Um, it won't be too long. And what should, um, I guess, A, what should people be doing to protect themselves, but B, the heart of the matter. I think what people really care about who are listening to this podcast, should we be canceling events? Yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, that's a heck of a question. I, I, so let's take, the, let's take them one at a time. What people can do to protect themselves and their families, I mean, it, you're, you're, it, 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 it can't be stated more simply than this. Wash your hands. Um, I don't know how many people I see coming out of a bathroom think because they've gone in, you know, they've, they've stood at a toilet, they've done their business and, you know, they think, well, I didn't touch myself or I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Therefore, my hands aren't dirty. You missed the whole point. Um, going to the bathroom isn't about um, <laughs> going to the bathroom should be the reminder to you that it's time to clean your hands again. Um, you know, going to the bathroom is just one way, just like most people, when they leave the house, they come back in the house after a full day, people go right to the sink and wash their hands. It's a reminder that you've come into your home. You you don't want to bring things from outside your home. Same thing with the bathroom. It's just a reminder. Wash your hands. It is the easiest thing. You turn on some warm water, you get a nice soap, lather up for 20 seconds. If you hum the happy birthday song in your head twice through, by the time you're done, if you're already toweling off, you've done it. You have uh, you have done everything you need to know. It's a standard rule for food safety. It is a standard rule for hospital safety. If we're entrusting the people that are cooking our food and performing our surgeries to wash their hands 
there's absolutely no reason in the world that we wouldn't. Um, and from there, you know, don't touch your mouth, nose, or possibly your eyes. And if Donald Trump can go, I don't know, four seconds without doing it, then we should be able to as well. Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, it, it really is. Those are the, those are the, if your hands don't have any, your hands themselves have no broken skin and you come in contact with a virus, it isn't going to go through your skin like magic. Um, it will live there. But just think about how many times you put your phone up to your face to take a call. Uh, think about all the times you have a small itch, and as soon as you itch it, you know you're not going to not itch it because the more you're, it's itching, the more you're paying attention to it. I'm itchy right now just you saying that. Thank and you. I did it on purpose for you and all the listeners in this pod <laughs> who are now instinctively touching their eyebrow or nose. Um, wash your hands first. Yeah, exactly. Go wash your hands. Go get some sanitizer. So that that's that's the thing. Um, the good news um, uh, in general um, like packaged food, these the viruses are not living on surfaces for a very long time. Uh, it looks especially in cold, refrigerated, frozen temperatures. There's very low pore survivability. Um, in general, though, most viruses can live on a on a on a surface for at least three days, sometimes up to a week, depending on the condition. So um, it is to say that you should trust no surface and trust no door handle. Um, and so, if you just get in the habit of periodically and regularly washing your hands. And just trying to minimize how much you touch your face, um, you're not going to get sick. And should we be canceling March Madness? Oh man, that's a question for higher powers than me. Uh, my my. Well, so let me tell you this. You know, I had a couple of conferences I was supposed to go to next week. One was in San Diego. Um, they've canceled that. Uh, maybe San Diego State shouldn't play in the tournament. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to make that claim, but smarter people than me might. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that we're at the point yet. I will say that um, a lot of companies are limiting employee travel right now. And um, I know one uh, very large auto company in uh, in the Motor City has uh, determined that their employees are not allowed to attend gatherings of more than 30 people, um, whether they're events or conferences or the like. So I think you are starting to see, um, you know, corporate entities not want their you know employees and senior leaders out and about where, where they could get sick. Um you know, obviously, there's a big hullabaloo right now about CPAC, um, and some some folks who had the who had the virus at CPAC shaking hands with Mike Pence and President Trump and and, and the like. And so, if there was never a, a better reason for not going to CPAC, that this might be it. Um, <laughs> but I think you're, you know the you're point, getting us in trouble. <laughs> I know. I'm going to stop. I apologize, pod listeners. This is an apolitical pod. Uh, suffice it to say, um, I, I don't I don't know that we're there right now. I don't know that we're there right now, but I think we have to grapple with the fact that that this is only going to continue to get worse. I don't see, um, just given the historic spread of, of kind of pandemic diseases, um, this getting better before it continues to get worse. There's too many states where we don't have any disease now. Um, I think if we follow simple precautions around identifying cases, isolating folks, you're, you're seeing a lot of folks are publicly self-quarantining. Very, very, very smart. If folks continue to do that, if you can trust the average basketball goer to not go to a game that he or she has tickets for because they're starting to feel sick. You know, that's the real question for me, Mike, is do we trust your average Michigan State fan who comes down with a fever the night before uh, Michigan State's first round game to make the decision to stay home? And, um, you know, I, I would ask you and I'd ask everyone on the pond to answer that question. If they feel like they would be able to make the right decision there, which is I'm not going to the game, then this tournament will be fine to go on. Um, but I think part of me knows that Faced with that decision but myself, cash. but it's cash, right? 
And I think, you know, God help us. What if these players start getting sick? I think, you know, when, when you, when you frame it that way, I don't see how for the player safety, for the safety, of the coaches, the referees, the, you know, staff, um, we, we could, we could really seriously be having this conversation and, and, uh, what a, what a novel question to, um, to think about this whole tournament getting, getting played, um, in quiet. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't even know what that would look like. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for bringing the perspective and, and, and expertise. Um, but as I say every week, we're running long. So let's hear from our next not a sponsor. And Plum, I, I think this one's right up your alley. Well, this week's episode, Mike, is uh, is not brought to you by the pharmacy giants Janssen <laughs> and Novartis, manufacturers of WHO-recommended anti-delusion drugs. In this season of viral outbreaks and burgeoning pandemics, it's more important than ever that the general public not lose control of their sense of reality. Drugs like Halidol can be effective at managing delusions of grandeur, like, for example, when mediocre freshman guards at UGA overestimate both the number of fans who want their autographs with their own risk for contracting COVID-19. Chlorazil, <laughs> a new generation antipsychotic, has demonstrated effectiveness for the average hillbilly so over-obsessed with their COVID risk that they can't stop posting memes castigating Corona beer for creating the <laughs> epidemic. No matter your delusion, Janssen and Novartis will get you back to just your typical state of generalized agitation and properly aware of your station in life. <laughs> oh, Janssen, Novartis, in my backyard, really. Um, I drive by Novartis every day, actually. New Jersey, man. Um, we, we are thankful for your partnership, whether you wanted to be partners or not. Um, so, Plum, let's get to Twitter questions. Um, and first one was really a request for us to do some Googling for somebody. Uh, Nate C. asks, is Izzo the first coach to win three straight Big Ten titles twice? Uh, do we think they'll do it again next year? And what's the record for years in a row in the Big Ten? So, Nate, I Googled for you. Um, OSU has the record at five in a row from 1960 to 1964. The nearest competitor, as far as we can tell, with coaches is Bobby Knight at Indiana, who had a four-year run from 1973 to 1976, and then won three out of four from 1980 to 1983. Um, So a pretty impressive stance. But Izzo is the first one to win three straight Big Ten titles twice. As for whether I think they'll do it again next year, you're going to have a hard time convincing me not. Um, Rocket Watts. What can you say? Hauser's Hauser's going to be around. Malik Hall is really coming into his own. Um, Lawyer. Lawyer. (laughs) More lawyer. More Um, lawyer. And I don't know how much he's going to play, but Matty Sisisko uh, coming in as a freshman is huge. (laughs) So, um, you know, and if if X is back next year, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of question marks about who's coming back. Like, does Langford make a go at it again? Is Tillman back? Um, you know, I, I, I feel wrong trying to speculate too heavily on either one of those people. But could they? Sure. Absolutely. Um, what do you think, Plum? Are they back? They're back. No, I think right. uh, I, a lot of it for me depends on uh, – I don't want to put it all on Tillman's shoulders, but uh, for me, it's a no-brainer. Tillman comes back, that's, we're that's going a game back. changer. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up, John Hubbard says, 
In the weird revisionism of college sports, does Penn State's loss to Northwestern lessen State's comeback win against them on their home court? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't like to do this kind of uh, rewind kind of game. Um, did it do something to their mentality? Maybe. Uh, but, you know, Northwestern Northwestern can surprise you. They had to have known that was possible. Northwestern surprised yeah. us a time or two. So Maybe we just broke Penn State. <laughs> Isn't that possible? We just broke them? More than likely. I mean, Lamar Stevens has not been playing as well as of late. Um, I don't know that it does anything. A home wins, or a road wins, a road win. You got it. I'm with you. Um, Next up from John Hubbard says, they're doing it again, aren't they? They're getting everyone's hopes up that they're winning a national title this year. Help temper my hopes and expectations. So Plum, why aren't they going to win it? Listen, I this is I I would just say, John, go back and look at the season. Okay. I don't if you if if right now they're getting your hopes up, I you know, I'm just they're getting me excited. All right. I'm I'm gonna be a little guarded though. This has not been their best season. I don't think anyone's gonna suggest that it has. They've been through hell in many ways. Slander. Um, and uh no, they've been through a lot. I mean, look what they've gone through. I mean, from Cassius to you know, we've had some injuries. They have they've had They've had some stuff thrown at them. So uh, that's how I'll help, help tamper your hopes and expectations. And I think that Tom Izzo's teams does better when folks aren't constantly throwing them into the spotlight. And so right now, I'm glad that they're not. Yeah, and John, if you need to temper your expectations, just go watch that Purdue game again. It will just crush you. I mean, losing to that balding team was just... Oh, boy. There it is. Anyway, Taylor Anderson asks, what's your favorite cash arns slash any senior memory? Mm. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say that my, my favorite arns memory hasn't been made yet. And I'll tell you why the kid had to sit out the big dance last year. And I think nothing was more cruel in terms of fate just coming for him. And so yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I think my favorite arns memory is going to be yet made this tournament. And I think he's going to do something huge on a very big game in a very big way for us. I love that. Um, you know, I, I think for me, um, it, it really is tough to pick a single memory because it, you know, it, it, as soon as I start thinking of one thing, it, it starts playing like a higher highlight reel to me, mm-hmm. but you know, one of the things about Cassius that I come back to is um, him showing up for victim impact statements at um, Nasser. Wow. And wow. that that to me is um, this is more about him than mm-hmm. uh, most anything else. And so um, it's a weird favorite memory to have. But, you know, it, one of the reasons that I am so sad that he is leaving is, is that, you know, when I talk about him embodying everything that I hope a Spartan is, it's, it is, it is the way that he stood and answered questions he shouldn't have had to answer when we had no president, we had no athletic director. Tom Izzo was putting his foot in his mouth left and right. And, um, Mark D'Antonio was nowhere to be found and it was cash. So, that for me is uh, is is my favorite thing about Cassius. Um, next up from Craig Robinson, 
what are the expectations for the Big Ten tournament? My initial reaction is that it doesn't matter, but feel like that'll change by Friday. And I have to say, uh, Graham Couch, who we've already picked on a little bit, has generated a lot of his heat, a lot of heat for his opinion that the Big Ten tourney does not matter. Hmm. Um, so there's some thought that MSU uh, should try and tank it, um, or that um, that last year that they didn't really care, and then Foster Lawyer really screwed that up for them by playing his like he hasn't ever. Um, so, uh, what are your expectations? Um, and do you feel like come tip off time, that'll change for you? No, it's not going to change for me. They're going to win out the tournament. There's no doubt in my mind we'll win out. And I I don't think it's going to help. I mean, I don't think we're going to get a better seed for it. So does that matter? Does that not matter? I think it'll be nice to win out. Um, and doing so will be another feather in this team's cap, another feather that they deserve. And, um, I hope it'll be a little energy for them to ride into, um, their first round game as what I expect will be, uh, a, a number three seed. I would say that if we're playing Ohio State, I think they lose the game. And I think if we play Purdue, they win the game. And once you're one in, I think it's hard for them to stop. Hmm. So I I think Ohio State, they can say soundly, been there, done that. I think Purdue is a little bit of revenge. Um, Jess asks, what's next for Cassius? I mean, besides winning it all. Um, and then being elected president when he turns 35, I, I don't know. Is there much more you he, need from the guy? <laughs> he's he's going to the NBA. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see if he's able to make that career stick. I hope he is. Um, but I I think Cash becomes a leader somewhere. There's I don't no know doubt. what that'll be. What you know what it'll look like. But I think he'll be a leader somewhere, and I think he will. Um, as soon as his pro career is done, we'll be very close to this, uh, to this program, this institution. I hope so. Uh, yeah. Uh, CT and TC wants to know, <laughs> such an asshole. Should teams <laughs> raise different sized banners depending on how many ways the title was split? Uh, what a question. Just, it's just, it just drips with, um, with jealousy. Doesn't that make you read a lot of jealousy into that question? I think, yeah, I think CT, we should do that so long as uh, people who don't win a banner have to maintain an empty spot in their rafters where that banner would have gone. <laughs> um, and then if you have, uh, uh, you know, for instance, a title vacated of some sort, Uh-oh. you yes. have to just, you just have to have a banner raised that just says shame. Um, I think that's how we should do it. Hey, listen, I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. Um, last up is our man, the upper deck jerk guy, uh, whose first question is, uh, is the ceiling the roof for this team? I think you know, the answer is yes. I, I think this I wanna, team's got natty in them. <laughs> listen, I want to go back to um, our, our DDR uh, not a sponsor and, and really call out that Gabe Brown has had the, uh, raising the roof answer for us all the time. <laughs> so if, if, if that's the answer, upper deck jerk guy, then, then it's a totally yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. This team is, is playing like they can play for a natty. So absolutely. Um, next question, bourbon, sweet, sweet nectar question mark. Hey, Woodford reserve all the way. Big, big, big bourbon drinker here. So no, Ooh. no doubt, no doubt. 
Look, a particular guy, you're not going to find me saying no to many alcoholic beverages. So, yes, absolutely a nectar. Uh, one of many nectars. Um, next, he asks, we're a basketball school, right? So, Alex, I'm curious in your take here because um, I think Greg and I, it, well, I think Greg would back me up anyway. Um, the amount of engagement we get, the listens we get to the podcast very drastically based upon is there football news or not? That is to say, we're a football school. Well, if listens are any uh, indication uh, with my performance this week, we might actually be a coronavirus school. We'll have to see <laughs> how, that, how that uptick goes. I shouldn't have put that into the universe. Um, no, I, I, I think you're right. I, 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 what I will tell you is um, the football season, you know, there's, there's, there's so much less room for error. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when, the, when, when football is happening and it isn't going to the plan, which for me is an undefeated season and a right. win out of the national title. Um, though, and this is, you know, just my emotional state. I turn to March and to Mr. March, the one and only. So, you know, for me, uh, are we a basketball school? Maybe your listens don't say so. And, and I probably have your back. I, I think you're right. But at the end of the day, um, if there is one place where you want hope, you will find it. Uh, 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 at the feet of Tom Izzo, and there's no doubt to me there. And maybe it's because I, I um, have too much faith in that that I take mm. it for granted mm. that it's that it's easy for me to get way more emotionally hyped and spurned because it's a two way street on football. Mm. That yeah. you know, it, I I want I want that legacy and success so badly there, even though that is really an unrealistic goal in, in most circumstances for almost all universities that aren't Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And I think that's about it. Um, last, question, last question from the Everdeck Dirt guy is, who would win in a fight between me and, he continues to spell it Grecky. Um, Grecky. Grecky. <laughs> I like that. Um, well, I don't know what the Everdeck Dirt guy looks like um, I'm willing to pile on Grachet here. What's what's your take? I got to go for my buddy Kevin Grack. You know, I got to say he he may not look like much, but he's got some fight in him. He's got a little spark, and uh, I can actually attest to this personally. You, you can, and you know, you come for his music selection one too many times. I know this pod <laughs> has has done good justice to that. Uh, you might find yourself in a in a tough in a pinch point. So no, I'm gonna. I'm going to go with Kevin Grek on this and hope I never have to see it. Yes. Um, all right. With that, before we turn to previews, let's hear from our last night's sponsor. Plum, want to take this one? All right. This episode of Can't We Can't Write is not brought to you by Madison Square Garden in partnership with Google Maps, who teamed up to provide an easy-to-use quick reference guide for getting to and from <laughs> MSG, helpfully narrated by Peabody and Academy Award winner <laughs> Spike Lee. After all, is anything more annoying after navigating the labyrinthine New York subway system only to find yourself at the wrong Madison Square Garden entrance? Enjoy the dulcet tones of the famed Black K. Klansman director as he shares 23 years' worth of travel tips and <laughs> MSG backdoor insights to keep you from embarrassing yourself, getting stopped by security, and winding up trending all over Twitter. Check it out wherever you download apps. 
Oh, we've got some huge not of sponsors, and we want to thank each and every one of them. We sure do. Plum, it is time to talk Big Ten turning. And I know we previewed it a little bit, so we've already given our predictions. Um, I'm not going to talk about Ohio State because we literally just beat them. Been there, done that. And as I mentioned, I still have nightmares about Purdue. I, I don't understand how that happened. I mean, it's got to be Mackey, right? Got to be Mackey's the secret. Yeah. Um, so Purdue, despite the fact that they seem kind of poopy, um, is actually Ken Palm 24. Adjusted offense is 51. Adjusted defense is 11. They're terrible in the luck rating, um, like 300-something which wow. I believe indicates that they are an unlucky team. They weren't when we played on when they played us. Yeah. That doesn't pass my limited eye test or the narrative that I want to push. Um, so look, I think everything that went wrong or could have gone wrong did go wrong when we played Purdue. Um, I think if you play that nightmare hellscape of a game over in your mind and you think about this MSU team now playing it, I'm yep. less concerned. Uh, defensively, in a lot of ways, they did kind of what they wanted the game plan to be. And Purdue just had players who executed well beyond their season, season averages. I mean, and this is back when I was still kind of giving passes for some of the losses and hadn't quite said this team needs to find an identity. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that loss kind of hit hard for them. So... Look, uh, I I just don't see Purdue having that success again, especially with the way our perimeter defense has been lately. They're not playing at Mackey. The our, our ability to guard the three has been lights out. I, I just, for me, um, this seems like an obvious win, but if it's not, I'm not fretting about not winning the Big Ten tourney. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll- I'm with you. I'm not threatened either. I, I do think that um, I, I do, like I said before, I, I don't see us uh, having a, a, a huge test here. I would love to see us take Purdue on. I'd love to see us manhandle them like we just did Ohio State. Um, I sure. think it'd be great for the boys to have the energy. I don't think it is beyond reasonable. In fact, I think it's unlikely. And so, you know, that's what I'm rooting for. And I'm looking very much forward um, to putting up that uh, similarly sized banner, I might add. Um, to the one that we uh, we just hung as we when celebrated. When did the banners go up? Didn't they, isn't that new? Didn't they just put them up in the dead of night? The tournament um, banners, or like a special like assembly for it? You know, where you'd kind of come on a non-game day. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I. Either way, I think the worst thing that happens to this MSU team is only winning one game in the Big Ten tournament. I would rather just get out. Yeah, or win it all. Rest. I, I don't. I don't want to. It's the narrative for being able to write off a loss early in the tournament is easier to me than getting to the semis and not closing the deal. That's just my two cents. So, cool. Uh, with that, folks, thanks for joining us for a low tech version of Can't Read, Can't Write. Um, and Alex, thank you so much for joining, filling in for my incompetent co-host, Kevin Breck. Um, <laughs> it was a real pleasure. And educating us all 
on COVID-19. Um, but with that, buddy, we're Big Ten champs. So go green. Go white.